right, Duke. The old uh, peppers, eh? I know how much you love the peppers. I love the peppers. Uh, just got a got a text in a little about an hour ago from uh, Gene Principate and uh, wanted to help Gene out and Sports Central and we kind of talked about this a little while back but uh, they need everyone's help. Sports Central is doing a um, an initiative called uh, it's Dave Semenko's Put a Lid on a Kid campaign. So uh, it's about promoting safety in sports and uh, they've started this campaign basically well it's about February 12th I guess they started it but it runs to the end of the month so if you can help anything out with uh, Dave Semenko's put a lid on it uh, from uh, well now up until the end of the month it's about putting kids uh, the mission is to keep the kids safe and sound uh, with an emphasis uh, with dedication to protecting young minds through the provision of helmets. Now, the goal is to raise funds for helmets, b- protecting young minds. It's a no-brainer, as Gene uh, has alluded to. But highlighting the uh, support from the Oilers Community Foundation, uh, kicking off the EOCEF uh, is putting uh, $25,000 towards Put a Lid on a Kid. So it's kind of starting the campaign. It, it, the campaign's kind of, as Gino said in his uh, text to me, just in a bit of a lull. It's a little bit of a standstill right now. So if you can do anything to help, Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Gene does so much good work with uh, Sports Central. Mark Spector does so much good work with Sports Central. The kids need so much help. We we had the uh, the bike drive earlier. It's you know that was in September October when we first started on the air here on Sports 1440. Uh, but if you can get involved with uh, anything, donation details, you can go to the Sports Central website to make contributions. It's uh, sportscentral.org. And hopefully the campaign can be a success in the last uh, few days here because we're getting down to about the last week or so with the campaign. Good thing that's 29 days in, in February. they got an extra day to do things. But uh, if you can, please help out. Uh, it's Dave Semenko's Put a Lid on a Kid campaign all uh, for Sports Central, changing lives through sports. So hopefully some uh, some kids can uh, be, you know, uh, when you go to Sports Central and you see all the, the amount of gear that they donate and the amount of volunteers that are at Sports Central, it's just truly amazing that they've been able to help the thousands and thousands of kids over the years here in Edmonton to um, kind of keep those kids' dreams alive because a lot of these kids can't afford all the gear and they can't afford everything else uh, in the sense of what they want to try to accomplish and be a part of sport because we all know that sport kind of, it changes young kids' lives. It changes their chance to, uh, you know, integrate into society, into a team, to feel good about themselves. So if you can help out Sports Central, uh, Dave Semenko has put a lid on a kid, please do. Uh, tons of texts uh, coming in uh, regarding our in and out segment, and uh, we'll get to a couple of them right there. Uh, I did mention Beerman said, yeah, Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. We we're talking about uh, this day in 1980, the famous miracle on ice took place. The USA defeated the USSR. It is the biggest upset in hockey history. That it was what the Duke said, and uh, it could be one of the biggest moments, as Sports Illustrated said, in Sports history, uh, that's what it was voted on in the 20th century. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Beautiful. Corey says, what about the Leafs winning the first round last year as the biggest upset in sports? <laughs> uh, Lester's not even close. Uh, that's from AZ. Husks comes in and says, Sarah over St. Pierre, big upset. Hmm. Uh, 
IMAC goes, no better country to celebrate in than the Czech Republic. My wife and I were engaged New Year's Eve 2011. She lived in Prague. Then uh, they pulled a barge up the river near the Charles Bridge. We were up at the castle. Unbelievable. Must have gone on for 30 minutes. And uh, Laddie was talking about um, the celebration in 1998 when the Czech Republic back then beat Canada in the semifinals at the Olympics. Man, there were a lot of eyeballs on that game. A lot of people going Lester, Lester, yes. Patty and Spruce, how about the twice-baked potato? Scoop out the baked potato, add cheese, onions, bacon, sour cream, put it back in the skin, rebake it till the cheese is melted. That's got to rate high on your list, Duke, no? I would say the double-baked potato. We never got your opinion on this because we were running out of time. Yeah, I just think the baked potato, like whether it's in the oven, even on the barbecue, like it's... It's fine when you have limited, like when you're out camping, baked potato on the barbecue is obviously mm-hmm. so easy to go with your steaks or burgers that you're grilling up because that's all you have to cook it with, right, is the, is the barbecue. The twice-baked potato, obviously very good. A lot of effort to to make that one, of yeah. course, of the fact you A, have to bake it twice, but also the in-between step of scooping her out, getting it all diced up. I, I like potato skins. Yep. That's a great uh, appetizer I really enjoy. But, yeah, I don't know, the baked potato in general because – and then also, to make it good, you need all the fixins. Yeah, sour sour cream. cream, chives, bacon bits, maybe some other, uh, some what other about seasonings. Those, what about the bacon bits? You get those really bad, cheap imitation like they're, bacon. They're just like rocks. <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah. even bacon. What are no, they? I don't Salt, pure salt. Yeah, that's probably what it crystallized is. Crystallized salt. Um, and like uh, this isn't to say that I don't like baked potatoes, but of the, like I said, there's so many other ways to prepare them. Mm-hmm. I mashed potatoes, whipped potatoes especially, you get them nice and creamy, uh, season them up. The scallop potatoes, like Laddie said, French fries. I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot better ways to go about it than your traditional baked. Like, and then you got to unwrap it, burn your hands, getting them out of the tin foil, yes. cutting them in half, scooping it out of the, the skin with the thick. Yeah, I don't know. Not my cup of tea. One of the other in or out questions was uh, Austin Matthews scored his 50th of the season last night in 54 games. Gretzky's 50 and 39 won't be broken. Nobody will get within 10 games of it. Text from Mitchell says, Matthews went 24 games with zero goals this year. Couple of bounces and he's at 50 and 49. Well, a couple of bounces the other way when he, he had all the hat tricks. And he said, and he's how many like, hat tricks does yes. he have? So Six. it goes both ways. And I mean, I know it was goal 51, but it went off what his face, his chest, his whatever <laughs> last night yeah. for goal 51. You got to have breaks. You got to have bounces to get that amount of goals. And that's what that I'm saying. Like, th- this season is incredibly impressive. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from Austin Matthews as much as some of the Oilers fans listening might want me to. Mm-hmm. But as good as Matthews has been this season, and he got 50 one in 54 games yeah it's close but yep. think about how good it is and that's like to get on to get 50 and 50 again i, I think is going to be have to take a herculean type effort like it c from Drumheller goes i'd like to know how many games in the 50 and 39 th- 39 run did gretz not score in matthews hasn't scored in multiple games this run yes yeah, similar well Ma- gretzky as you said kevin talking about uh peters he had five in the 39th game yep Four, just four on Pete. Well, just four on Pete, but five overall. Yes to the show, Pete Peters. We (laughs) we want to have him on again. He's going to, that'll be the first thing he brings up again. defend himself, of Uh, course. Big oil in the Mac. Again, we were talking about uh, defensemen getting shots through. Brett Kulak is the best besides Bouchard at getting pucks through. I'm really hoping that he's not moved at the deadline because he's the most underrated defenseman on the team by far. And kind of cheap depth, guys. Uh, You need him to make a run. Um... 
Jake even said, and we touched on this with Speck, and we touched on it with Laddie. Jake says, can we talk about the missed nets? Late in the third, Edmonton had 96 shots, shot attempts and like 32 shots. Bush missed the net three times on the power play. Shots last night, the Oilers had 44, the Bruins had 35. There were a lot of missed shots on net, and that sometimes happens. I mean, for every shot, I mean, how many times has Bouchard made a shot and it's just gone inside post and in or just inches away? He's had shots that have gone inside post and gone out the other side. Other side. So, I mean, sometimes she's going in, sometimes she's not. Uh, when we come back, it's going to be our game of the day. Mike DiGiovanna from the LA Times covers the LA Dodgers and the Angels too. And I think he even covers the Chargers a little bit too. So uh, we'll talk all things with Mike coming up uh, right after the break on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day, and there's going to be a lot of games of the day when we're talking about the L.A. Dodgers this year as uh, Major League Baseball uh, right around the corner with pitchers and catchers reporting last week and players uh, starting to file in and uh, really looking forward to the next uh, few weeks. But the uh, game of the day is brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge, Ram, and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. 0% also available on Ram 1500s only at St. Albert Dodge. Dot com as we welcome in Mike D. Giovanna from the LA Times covers the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Chargers and everything. Uh, Mike, welcome to Sports fourteen forty. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Doing great. Update. I'm more just Dodgers right now. So oh, okay, the more just the Dodgers. Chargers a while ago. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But uh, <laughs> we're okay. we're really looking forward to baseball season. Obviously, our focus up here is uh, is the Blue Jays. But with all the buzz and everything that was created with the Dodgers in the off season, uh, what's the feeling? I guess as as training camp breaks with LA. Well, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism, and for very good reason. I mean, the Dodgers have been. You know, a juggernaut for more than a decade now. 11 straight playoff appearances, 10 division titles, one World Series. And I think that that last one is a number (laughs) they want to uh, add to. uh, When you uh, look at all the moves they made this winter, you know, bringing in Shohei, uh, Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now, uh, you know, uh, Hernandez uh, in the outfield. Um, You know, it's just, I think to me the most important thing and the reason for all the optimism is they really addressed the glaring weakness on this team from the last year, and that was their rotation. You saw what happened Mm -hmm. in that Arizona series and division series when the Dodgers were swept. Their starters, neither of their three starters kept them in the game. Tons of injuries. uh, And to to go out and get Yamamoto and Glass now and, uh, you know, Paxton could mm-hmm. shore up the back of that rotation too. You got Walker Bueller coming back, uh, Bobby Miller coming off a, a really promising rookie year. You have some really good young arms there, and you know Gavin Stone and you know Michael Grove. Uh, so I think the fact that they really shored up the rotation is yeah. as big a story as Otani is, and as much uh, pop as he'll add to the lineup. Mm-hmm. I think over the course of the six-month season, that improved rotation is going to be the biggest biggest difference for them. Yeah, Mike, what do you make of Bobby Miller? He's probably one of the younger guys in the rotation, but uh, what what are your expectations of him? I think, you know, I, I think his rookie year was certainly no fluke. He's been one of their top pitching prospects now for a few years. Uh, great stuff. I think 
mentally. He learned a lot last year from some of the lumps he took, but he really didn't take that many lumps. You know, he, he held his own just fine. And even in that playoff game, you know, they got to him early, gave up, you know, a few runs, a bunch of hits. He, he did keep Arizona in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the yard, so he didn't give up the home run. Uh, I just think those are sort of typical growing pains for a rookie. And when you uh, look back, you know, I think when you have rookies, rookie starting pitchers with that kind of talent who have that kind of excess, uh, success their first year yet can – you know, also take away a lot of, uh, you know, teachable moments in that year. I think he has a lot to build on. And I'm not sure, you know, with Glass now and Yamamoto and Bueller uh, and geez, Kershaw is coming back at some yeah. point, you know, they're not relying on him to be the ace of the staff by any means. But boy, when you can slot in a guy as good as he is in number four, number five spot, and, and I guess six when Otani's back and they have a six man mm-hmm. rotation. That's some serious pitching depth, you know, yeah. and that's that's how you, you know, we, it's a six-month, 162-game season, uh, you know, when you hit the dog days and everyone else's rotation is wearing down, getting hurt, and you can tap into that kind of depth, uh, you know, in the four and five and six spots, you're going to win a lot of those games. So mm-hmm. I fully suspect them, uh, even as good as the Diamondbacks are, to uh, run away with the division because I, I don't think there's a team even close to them built for the long haul like the Dodgers are. But, you know, of course, the the big question is how will they perform in October? Yeah. Mike, D. D. Giovanna, our guest on uh, Sports 1440, do you think, like, is 110 and over-under for wins for this team this year? That's actually not a bad call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they won 111, I think, a few years back. Uh I would say 107 would be my mm-hmm. over-under. Ugh. The thing is, I don't think they're going to be in this to set a record for regular season wins. I mean, if anything, they saw how meaningless that stat can be mm-hmm. going into October. They're going to pace themselves. You know, Walker Bueller's coming back from a second Tommy John. They're going to slow play him at the beginning of the year. He probably won't pitch until May, maybe even mid-May at the earliest. So, you know, they can build him up steadily throughout the season and have him as fresh as possible for October. They're not going to overwork uh, Yamamoto, you know, making that transition from Japan to the U.S. Uh, you know, he pitched once a week in Japan. They're not going to throw him out there every five days. Mm-hmm. Tyler Glass now uh, has never thrown more than 120 innings in a year. And even though he looks uh, pretty healthy after his Tommy John uh, from what he did last year, you know, they're not going to wear him down. Uh, during a six-month season. So uh, they got a lot of young pitching. They'll rotate guys in and out. They're going to use that uh, – <laughs> they use those five options per player pretty uh, pretty uh, liberally, I think, during the season. Mm-hmm. I think the whole and, – and, and once again, hard to tell what Kershaw is going to give you when he does come back from shoulder surgery, but – that's a nice little trade deadline acquisition oh, man. Uh, later this summer. So, <laughs> this... yeah, they got a lot uh, – a lot of reasons to be optimistic oh, for sure. So deep, so deep in pitching. We never yeah. even mentioned. We never even mentioned Gavin Lux coming back. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a really big story. Uh, missed all of last year with a really just gruesome knee injury. You know, they had him penciled in uh, as their starting shortstop last year. Uh, they're gonna, you know, that's what they're planning on again this year. Uh, but they also have a really good defensive shortstop in uh, Miguel Rojas, who's going to be their utility player. 
to me, that left side of the infield with uh, Max Muncy at third, uh, he really struggled a bit, especially early in the season defensively. And Gavin Lux at short, a uh, guy who's got a lot of upside, a lot of talent, but really hasn't played mm-hmm. <laughs> the position in the big leagues on a regular basis, you know. Uh, defensively, that's a big question mark in my mind. It's probably one of the – I can't say it's one of the bigger storylines of the spring because they have uh, so many others. But I think it's going to be a really important storyline and a really important uh, uh, facet of the team moving forward. Uh, the one one uh, positive note there is, you know, if Gavin does struggle, they could uh, slot Miguel Rojas in there, a really proven – veteran defensive shortstop and you know I, I don't know that they have a hugely uh, ground ball inducing pitching staff but uh, one of the worst things that can happen to a team is when routine plays aren't made mm-hmm. uh, behind them so we'll see you know they're gonna no reason to panic about anything uh, this early but it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how Gavin comes off that injury and missing a whole year Mike D. Giovanna, our guest uh, from the LA Times on Sports 1440. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays fans quite familiar with Teoscar Hernandez, so you pick up uh, Hernandez uh, from Seattle in free agency. What do you think he'll be able to offer this club uh, playing, I guess, for the most part, left field? Yeah, another... uh, Actually, I think he might play more right field, but we'll see. Another really interesting storyline that will kind of get lost uh, in all the Otani Yamamoto madness this spring. You know, he had a down year last year. The strikeouts are way up there, but we see, you see the potential. You saw him in Toronto. Uh, you see uh, the potential of a you know guy who can hit maybe sixth and seventh. He may even hit seventh in this lineup. Of a, uh, he brings a lot of power. Uh, pretty good defensive right fielder. Great arm. Uh, you know, it's something. They did have J.D. Martinez at DH last year, so they had a pretty good you know pop from the right hand side along with the. Will Smith behind the plate. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, right-handed power is something they've kind of lacked since, uh, you know, Chris Taylor was a guy they were kind of counting on for that in in some of their platoon positions. But he's had a rough couple of years. So, you know, between uh, Hernandez and Manuel Margot, uh, you know, you have some options when you face a left-handed starter that will deepen the lineup that I don't think they had last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, as you said, Will Smith, one of the best uh, catchers and best hitting catchers in in baseball. But, uh, Dodgers have a pretty good young guy coming up in Diego Cartea. Is he, how far away would he be in the plans for the Dodgers? Because they are are obviously in in win now mode. Yeah, I think you're looking at probably next year. I think Austin Barnes, their backup catcher. Um, Pretty solid defensive guy. Uh, very brings li- very little uh, to the plate as a hitter. I think you know his his tenure, his time with the Dodgers. Uh, I, I could, you know, they're not going to want to pay him six, seven million mm-hmm. or whatever to be a backup catcher. I think next year, uh, when Barnes's contract you know expires after this year, I think is a natural sort of a natural progression, natural time for a guy like Cartier to uh you know join the team and you can nice thing about you know catching easily the hardest position for a rookie to uh to to take over uh, especially on a full-time basis they'll be able to ease him in uh, with will smith there and 
you know, he'll get a share of playing time, but not hopefully be overwhelmed uh, with it all. So I, I just think, you know, certainly an injury could open up a spot at any mm-hmm. time, but I think he's, uh, he's probably a year off at least. Mike D. Giovanna, our guest on Sports 1440. I'm not, you know, with how uh, travel goes in the media now, a lot of teams aren't, or uh, businesses or papers or whatever it is, aren't sending guys to cover stuff wherever it is. But just a question, do you get to go to the Seoul series in South Korea? I am not, but we'll have uh, two reporters there. Uh, Jack Harris, our primary Dodger writer, and Dylan Hernandez, one of our columnists. And I think think we're sending a video. Cool videographer how do you pronounce that word video yeah. <laughs> videographer i'm not sure yeah. uh but yeah well, we're sending three people and uh wow. actually my my daughter uh, and her husband who are currently uh living in uh, guam they're stationed in the uh, he's in the navy uh, they're going to go to the game, so uh, my family will be represented, but I will not be attending. Oh, that, that's I'll, so cool! Uh, I'll pick them up when they come home. <laughs> um, how did that come about for them being in Guam? So they obviously knew about this, you know, a, a long time ago, and they said, "Man, we're getting tickets." Yeah, uh, they uh, like I said, they moved to Guam last uh, year. Uh, her husband's in the Navy; he'll be stationed there for like two <laughs> plus years. And I got a few connections with the Dodgers. Was able to purchase some <laughs> tickets. So yeah, it's a scene. kind of a one. I'm give, I gave actually gave it to them as a wedding gift. So oh, uh, kind of a nice. Uh, it's actually only a two or three hour flight from there to Seoul. So hmm. uh, kind of convenient. So that, yeah, pretty cool. That is that's a that's a great story. So with with, with Yamamoto and Otani, I, I know it's Korea, but how big of a story do you think that'll be? Kind of almost worldwide, I guess. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I mean, Shohei has become this, uh, I don't want to like say he's the Michael Jordan of baseball, but he kind of is. Oh, you know? yeah. He's become this worldwide, he's recognized worldwide. He's He'll make, gosh, he'll make, I guess, 700 million. I don't know if he'll make as much <laughs> a year if you were to say, say, say he averages 700 million, uh, 70 million a year, even with all, even though most of it's deferred. He'll make almost that much in endorsements, mm-hmm. uh, which allowed him to defer most of that contract. So, yeah, he's become this global superstar, and uh, it's uh, there's a buzz where look at I mean, if you look at the coverage of spring training, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll kid uh, all my Dodgers beat writing cohorts when I get out to Arizona mm-hmm. next week. They've been writing about batting practice, live batting practice, you know charting his uh, home runs and uh, just like things the Japanese media has done forever. So it's such a, you know, I covered Otani a lot in Anaheim and these guys will literally watch batting practice and chart where his hits drop and, and, and calculate what his average would have been for that. You know, you get like 340 because that would have, you know, in four homers. And that's how crazy it is with Otani. There's a crowd wherever he goes. There's probably 50 to 60 Japanese media members will probably be uh, at every home game. I'm not sure how many will travel just yet, uh, but it'll be huge, you know. And, and they, these guys are tremendous. They're great people. They're fun to be around. They're respectful. They they're professional, but they <laughs> they just create a large mass of humanity wherever Otani and Yamamoto will go this year. So there's some logistical things that comes with it. But, uh, yeah, I just think it all sort of fuels the buzz around the team. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, strategically, uh, it, it sets them up to be the 
Major League Baseball team in Japan for another 10 years, unless maybe Sasaki can put a dent in that uh, wherever he signs. But my goodness, if the Dodgers get that guy too, forget it. They'll have wrapped up that uh, Asian market for, for, for a long time. So it's just, uh, yeah, the buzz, the expectations, and it's going to be interesting. And I think uh, for me, having covered the Angels for as long as I have, and seeing what happened in the World Baseball Classic last year mm-hmm. with Otani uh, and that, those Japanese players and, and the emotions and seeing how clutch Shohei was in that kind of a pressure situation, oh. you know, for them. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he responds to October baseball for the first time. Mm-hmm. That, that was, know, Mike Trout uh, back in 2014 yeah. really struggled uh, in that series against the Royals. He's never had a chance to go back. Yeah. I think he would kill it uh, in October if he got back. And I hope he does eventually. But Otani, you know, it's going to be a whole other storyline going into October, how he responds to the pressure. Can he clutch up? And, you know, maybe he doesn't have to carry this Dodger team, but, you know, this team really struggled uh, in the playoffs the last two years. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. for sure. The the Otani and Trout showdown, obviously, at the World Baseball Classic was, uh, was massive. So covering – the Angels for as many years have, as you have, uh, Mike, what do you make of their situation uh, moving forward this year? Yeah, I mean, they, uh, I think they will benefit from maybe not having so much pressure and expectations. And there's just such a, there was so much pressure on them to, you know, win with Otani and Trout that the window is closing. And indeed it did. And I think that, uh, unfortunately just colored and, and, and influenced every move they made. You look what they did last year, you know, Perry Manasian, the, their GM made some pretty good moves uh, before the year to add some depth uh, to a lot of areas, especially in the infield. Uh, and then at the trade deadline, they went for a big instead of trading for Otani and, you know, used up a lot of their prospect capital Not that they have a lot, you know, their farm systems, one of the worst, to get guys like Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and and uh, C.J. Crone and Randall Grychuk and um, Moustakis earlier in the summer and and it just all fell apart. So now what do you have? You know, you lose Otani. I think the owner uh, Artie Marino is still on the fence, uh, even though he's come out and said he's not selling the team. I would not be surprised if he does. They haven't made you know they did some nice moves in the bullpen this winter, but they haven't added kind of impact players that I think would, uh, you know, thrust them into contention in a really tough uh, American League West. So, uh, you know, I, they might uh, they might benefit but not by not having that spotlight uh, and the, uh, you know, Votani on them and not having so much of their you – know, it just seems like that so much of their fortunes were tied up in Otani, and now that he's gone, maybe everyone can just sort of exhale and take a step back and – just play baseball and of course with them it's always you know is Mike Trout going to stay healthy is Anthony Rendon going to stay healthy they need those two guys to they need Rendon to be on the field and to produce you know maybe not the 2019 levels with the Nationals but they need him to be a productive force in that lineup they have some decent young pitching I think the bullpen got a lot better I'm not I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're going to win the division I don't think they will but they could be a 500 team, I think, you know, if some things break right for them. 
Rendon with that seven-year, $245 million. I guess he's got two more years on it, but yeah, he's got to start kind of um, staying healthy and, and contributing for sure. Um, hey, uh, Mike, yeah. thanks thanks so much for this. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to baseball season, and obviously our focus up here is the Blue Jays, but a lot of eyeballs still uh, will be on uh, L.A. with the Dodgers and even the Angels. We get a lot of the games obviously up here being on the West Coast and with the time zone. So uh, look forward to it. Have a, have a great uh, rest of your spring training and keeping uh, tabs on both the Dodgers and the Angels. Thanks for coming on today. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Mike DiGiovanna from the L.A. Times. Covers the L.A. Dodgers for the most part. Imagine the massive amount of media over in Seoul for this. Never mind. And then just on a daily basis, what you got to deal with. And, I mean, he's been dealing with it in L.A., uh, in Anaheim with the Angels. But to see the amount that on a daily basis that uh, not just um, Otani, but when you bring in Yamamoto, I mean, man. It's going to be a zoo in L.A. We are back to wrap things up uh, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Little Taddy, huh, Duke? Taddy Loveless? The one and only. I kind of think, Duke, that and maybe I brought this up before with you, and I can't really remember, but you seem to have a kind of a liking to red-haired country singers. You talk well, about a lot, well, there's a lot of them. Reba McIntyre. Oh, who doesn't love Reba? Okay, Patty Loveless, that's uh, redhead. Who's the other one? There's another Is one. Pam Tillis redhead? No, yeah. she's brunette, I think, more. Is she? Yeah. Lori Morgan. Blonde. Yeah, and I, I don't really play any Lori Morgan, Morgan music. Lady in no, the woman in red dress, woman in the red dress. That's Lori Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, you know what? We've got a couple St. Albert Dodge games of the days, uh, game of the games of the day today as well with uh, industry leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up to St. Albert Dodge, check out uh, the fine folks there, and stalbertdodge.com. You can find out all the information you need. So, there are a few St. Albert Dodge game of the days in the NHL. Duke, is there one particular? There's a lot of games that affect the Oilers in the standings, really, and. The one I, I think everyone is going to be keeping an eye on the Leafs and Golden Knights because of what was. Who, been, who do you root for? <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone will be rooting for the Golden Knights here. But Nashville's in L.A. Yep. Kings are on the Oilers' heels. Canucks in Seattle. And the Canucks in Seattle. Can, like Canucks uh, losing three, three straight for the first time this season. Can they uh, avoid making it a fourth? They're on the road, of course. Not and, much travel involved. But. No. Boston is in Calgary as well after a long I mean, think about Boston last night. They're playing at one in the morning, technically. After you know, they were in Boston on Monday. Yeah. So it's not like they were out west here already. The, yeah, the body clock, yeah. tough transition back to back tonight. And uh, we we've talked about it extensively, but like the Bruins were so impressed with the fact that they had five defensemen for the whole game. One of them was called up that day yeah. to play in low rise. So and he had three assists. So just total commendation to the Bruins and. I've I've made it abundantly clear that I was one of the people that kind of doubted them at the start of the season with the departures of Bergeron, Krejci, Hall, uh, their couple deadline acquisitions last year, Orlov, Bertuzzi. Like I said, I was like, there's no mm-hmm. way they can run it back, and I, I doubted them at the start of last season too. And they they one of the best seasons in, in NHL history. Of course, they they flame out in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. um, I, I the Flames are playing a lot better hockey lately. But I would not underestimate the Bruins again tonight. This is a team that, like uh, Louis said yesterday, they just they don't cheat the game. They play it the right way, pretty well start to finish. And 
You look at uh, a fresh goaltender in Allmark, uh, I wouldn't count them out by any stretch, even on the back-to-back. They have a lot of young guys as well, and not necessarily young, but guys with no experience. And we had uh, Jimmy Murphy on yesterday from uh, Boston Hockey, and we talked about Justin Brazo. He got called up, scored a goal in his first game, and last night you could see him make an impact on the forecheck behind the net. He's listed at 220 pounds. When I saw him in front of the net and nobody being able to move him as far as Oilers defensemen go, and it's a different game. Yeah, you're not you're not ramming Lay, guys Laying in and the out. lumber to guys anymore. No one could move him. He's listed again, 220, six foot four or five, but he was an immovable an immovable force in front of the net. And and Mason Lowry, he's six foot five too. Big he's guy. a big dude. He, and he he was noticeable. Partially yeah. the fact that he had to play, had so, to play much so much yeah. because uh, because of it, but he, even like puck on his stick, uh, I thought he was quite composed for the majority of the night. Like he, he really impressed me, uh, kind of being shoehorned into that tough mm-hmm. spot for a, for for a, a young kid with so little experience. So uh, I w- I was impressed with him, but like I said, the Bruins overall. Uh, Swayman was their worst player, which is unfortunate uh, because like I think Specs quote earlier was if either goalie could make a save, then they would have got secured two points for their mm-hmm. team in regulation. Um, but it, I mean, he made the saves when it mattered, uh, particularly in overtime on that penalty kill. So, should mention uh, some cra- congrats out to some uh, pandas and bears hockey players. And we had, uh, of course, we had Darren Balachuk on earlier, and it, this just came out. So obviously, he was uh, couldn't mention it. But Haley Oswald, Taylor Anker, Natalie Keezer, all second team all stars. Golden Bears were on the uh, all-star list as well. Eric Florchik, second team. Aiden De La Gorgendier, all-rookie team, even though he came at uh, at the Christmas break. So he did lots in the second half. And then Alex Thacker on the all-rookie team. Always love when uh, Kelly Rudy sends a tweet out. On this day in sports history, 1989, the LA Kings acquired Kelly Rudy from the Islanders for... A big trade, man. Mark Fitzpatrick, Wayne McBean, and Doug Crossman. And I remember at that point because Wayne Gretzky was saying, we got nothing in goal. We need a goalie. And Kelly Rudy was very good in L.A. for many years. Third all-time wins, 145. Holds the team record for the most saves in the season, 1,991. It's a cool little tweet if you want to check it out. It's called The King Storian. Duke. Uh, oh boy, Rob says throw Kevin for loop. Play Tammy Wynette uh, with KLF, justified and ancient. Big nineties hit. Do you have that one on the? Uh, <laughs> I have no I, idea. I have to check on that one. Hmm. Yeah, stay stay tuned. Maybe we'll open uh, Fantasy Frenzy with that one if it's in the system here. Sizzler, Sizzler texts in. They are our biggest rival, and in our division, nobody is rooting for the Knights. Why would anyone root for the Knights? But here, like, well, that was the whole genesis of the question: is yeah. what do, what do Oilers fans want more yeah. to see the Leafs fail, or <laughs> maybe to have a chance to catch in the Knights in the standings? Rocking a hard place for uh, for Oilers fans tonight. Yeah. I think. No, I yeah, I think, everyone, I, I think everyone's pulling for the Leafs tonight. I, I would think yeah. so. I, I would definitely think so. And uh, odds wise, I mean, of course, the Leafs on a back to back. Vegas, a mm-hmm. better team in principle, right? They're uh, they're favored, but not as heavily as you think. Uh, you can uh, Leafs still not even at plus money as underdogs. Did you so. watch any of that Leafs game last night? Flicking back? Uh, yeah, a okay. little bit of it. So were there the same amount of Leafs fans in? 
Tempe as there were Oilers fans in Tempe on Monday. Without getting a big, like as many crowd shots, I guess, as we got from watching the full Oilers mm-hmm. broadcast, based on sound alone, whether it was during the Matthews goals yeah. or Leafs plays, uh, it seemed like it was very close. Very close. Um, sound alone, Boston fans last night. Ooh, they very a lot of lot of, and I saw some tweets uh, from mm-hmm. well before game the the game started. Um, uh, tweets from people that were down at Ford Hall and saying a lot of black mm-hmm. and gold in uh, mulling around the uh, the entrance to Rogers Place. So, so I think Toronto fans would be just like Edmonton fans, where they are making this an event. Oh, so you're going to Vegas tonight. I don't think a lot of fans would make do the double dip in the sense because there's just not that many that can go to both in the sense of the building availability in mm-hmm. in Phoenix, Tempe. But I think there will be a lot more that just go for this one game from Toronto or wherever they are and rip her up at the tables. <laughs> Play the, what do you call them, the dingers? Well, dingers is, uh, I, I use it um, uh, to encapsulate all of the machines, but technically dingers is VLTs, not slot machines. So, for example, uh, rewind a couple Fridays to our uh, evening at On the Rocks taking a stroll around to check the place out. And what do I find in the corner? But a nice little uh, bank of dingers there. To, and much to, well, Connor, then, to Connor Halley's surprise, okay. when you cash out a VLT ticket, like it's it's not a slot machine ticket. You can't put it back into a different machine. Like It's cashed out. It's oh, cashed gotta, out. You got to go take it and exchange it for money. Connor was very much taken aback. And he had to, he'd put in 20 bucks, ran it up, ran it back down, cashed oh. out his 20 bucks again. So, but when you, that one time we were at uh, Century for the Oilers in Canucks at yep. the start of the year. So you went over and those aren't dingers. Those well, are. Well, there are, there are VLTs in casinos as well, but it's usually like there is, it's just a different, they, they serve the same purpose, but there is a difference between VLTs and slot machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually that night, I, I think I played a little bit of the dingers uh, or the slots when I was, didn't have as much time in between the periods, but between the second and the third, where I made a concerted effort to get out there as soon as the buzzer went, then I went to the tables and played a little <laughs> roulette, a few hands of blackjack. I was able to squeeze in and find a spot. So uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I might uh, circle back to those same spots on Saturday, on Saturday night? night. I think Connor Halley's going to gonna Is join he? us uh, as well, hopefully. So he's uh, he can and I know even Donovan, the intern, he's a, he's a casino hound. Donovan is. <laughs> Out of anyone, that's the last guy that should be a casino <laughs> hound. Oh man. Like don't don't waste away your life at twenty one here, Donovan, and start betting like a madman on the tables. Oh, HVAC Nick says, what the hell is a dinger? Uh, we are Leafs fans against the Knights. A lot of that. Uh, Imitation Tom texts in. Also gaining ground on Vancouver. The only team we want Vegas beating right now is Vancouver. Uh, I would disagree with that. I think Vancouver, like getting the one seed, don't don't focus on that. Focus on getting home ice. Just Vegas to lose, even if it's against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a higher priority if you're a, if you're an Oilers faithful. Blake says we're not cheering for the Leafs to win. We're cheering for the Knights to lose. There you go. Yeah, perfect way to put it. Hmm. I don't. Alfred's going something about the old VIT with the, the VLT, VLT. The old, old VLTs VLT. with the moving parts. What was that? What are those ones? I don't know. Maybe like the traditional ones where you actually like pull a lever and like the act you could see the actual. Um, I remember pulling the, the the lever, jackpot, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's nothing. Like, here's the thing about playing either like the slots, the VLTs. I realistically have no idea if I win. Like if you actually take the time to go and uh, like yeah, there's a little settings tab on the yeah. corner. They're all touch screen now, and you can see what the actual paying lines are and stuff. 
I never do. That's why I just sit down, put in my money, and press the buttons, and it tells me if I win. I could win, and it would say no, and I'd be none the wiser. Ryan B. texts in, and this was getting to our point with uh, 24 games, I believe, Austin Matthews without a goal. So tons of hat-tricks, tons of of, uh, goals and bunches. Ryan B. says Gretzky scored in only 25 of the 39 games, including a six- or seven-game stretch with zero. There you go. You have to have a massive amount of luck to go on a run like that and a run like Matthews, and you got to be damn good. You have to be able to shoot the puck better than anyone else you have to be able to find holes i think this is great that austin matthews did this to get 50 and 54 fastest for an american board skater i believe was the the record he set and and like and husk said this in too getting 50 and under 50 is about consistency not streaky hat tricks which like i said matthews has 24 games without a goal Mm -hmm. there's no chance you can break this record with that type of I, I, I hate to say that Austin Matthews is inconsistent because he's far from it but scoring goals in NHL is really hard even for the best players and getting a goal per game over the course of this like th- talking three quarters of a season or two thirds of a season it, it is so hard to do and yeah. I don't think it will be done again uh, Beer Man Texan who would we rather see in round one Knights or Kings uh, well I don't think that it's even possible that they can play the Kings I mean, they would have to finish first. The Knights would really have. Well, if, the, if Vegas, if Vegas were to fall into the wild card, into and wild Knights card. into well, the third happening. spot, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Not but. happening. Uh, thanks to all our guests that came on today. Busy show again, man. Every time after an Oiler game is uh, really busy. Liam Herobin, Oilers Nation, uh, led things off at 7.20. We had uh, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli from Rogers Sportsnet and the Daily Faceoff in the 8 o'clock hour. Darren Balachuk, Pandas hockey head coaches. The Pandas get ready for MRU this weekend. Best of three at Claire Drake Arena. Mike D. Giovanna, the LA Times. Man, that'd be fun to cover the Dodgers this year. I he, I think he's 107. I think it's over 110 that they got to... They're going to win, but they're going to lay off the gas. They're going to be so far ahead. Yeah, it'll be a lot of uh, rest and rotation, mm-hmm. I think, down the stretch for the Dodgers, probably based on what, you know, expectations. Yes, and Ladislav Schmid, our uh, co-host, every Thursday from 8 to 10. Thanks, Laddie, for sliding in and talking about the biggest upset in hockey history. <laughs> Check over uh, Canada in the 98 Olympic semi-final. And uh, thanks to you, our uh, texters and listeners. Really appreciate all your input this morning. Coming up, top of the hour at 11 o'clock, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. At 12 o'clock, it is the Lowdown with Ellen Mitchell. At 2 o'clock, Jason Greger tri- drives us home with the Jason Greger Show from 2 till 6. Thanks so much again for listening and uh, being a part of the show. We're back tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7 o'clock with Fast Eddie Steele. We talk a little football. It'd be nice to... Oh, there was a couple good comments that would, that I saw today, NFL-wise. Uh, the big one with the, was B. John Robinson. So we'll talk about that with Eddie tomorrow. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Coming up next, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with the Duke and Connor Halley. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Bye for now.